And so we're in a, a series called The Path where we're sharing on four things and uh, that you know God, God wants you to know him. Number two, he wants you to begin to find freedom, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We wanna help you work grace church, not a judgment church. And, and then number three is discover your purpose that within every one of us today, God has already predestined purpose and greatness in your life. And then number four is go make a difference in the lives of others. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. And we're in the middle of that series and we're gonna get right back into it next Sunday talking about making a difference, how to make a difference in the lives of others. Today, I'm gonna kind of detour out of that. We only do that a couple times a year do we kind of move out of our series, but Mother's Day is one of those days that we try to do that. And just to let you know how special Mother's Day is, I wear a suit twice a year, one for Jesus on Resurrection Sunday and for mothers on Mother's Day. So you better get your picture now because it's over, all right? The rest of the year is jeans, all right. But, uh, but moms are special. We want all of our moms to stand up. If you're a mom, will you stand up today? We wanna honor you very quickly and just recognize you today. We love our moms, love our moms, love our moms. God bless you, mothers. We love you. And we're gonna be honoring you again at the end of the service and, and be praying over you. But thank you so much for standing. I, we don't normally ask our guests, especially if you're a guest, to stand. But we love our guests. We love our moms. And today we honor you on this Mother's Day. I wanna bring a, a message. Get your notes out. I wanna bring a special message today uh, for our moms and to our moms. And, and uh, I put something on Facebook today. I said, uh, just a reminder, Father's Day is June the 18th. Uh, to just give everyone, cause man, Facebook has been lit up with pictures and comments, right? And all well-deserved. And I said, but don't forget, Father's Day is June the 18th. That gives you plenty of time to go ahead and order the rifles, the ARs, the pistols, the kayaks, the fishing rods, the boats, and Alexis will do any father-worthy gift. Go ahead and start preparing for it. Amen. All right, fathers, come on. I need a hoorah right there, whether you're Marine or not. Come on, help me in here. All right. We know candy and flowers work for mothers, but we're talking kayaks, boats, and you know, father, worthy stuff for a father. All right, okay. Hey, I wanna to talk to you today on a message about a mom in the Bible, and, and, and her name's Jochebed, and we happen to have a Jochebed that attends our church now. That's pretty unique, all right? There's, there's only two Jochebeds in the world. One is in heaven, the other one goes here, amen. And, uh, and uh, cause it's not that well of, known of a name. But uh, the word Jochebed, Jochebed is Moses' mother. Moses' mother. And, and Abraham Lincoln put it like this. He said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. No man is poor who has a godly mother. And I want to talk to you today about that mother, that godly mother. And we're going to kind of go through the story of Jochebed. You find it in Exodus 2, 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the scriptures for the sake of time. I'm just going to take you through the story, take you through the journey of this great mother, the mother of Moses, who would eventually be the, the, the deliverer of an entire nation of people. She had no clue, no clue that in her womb was that deliverer. And the journey she was about to take with this deliverer, she had no idea the decisions that she was making and how they were gonna impact not just her, not just her son, but an entire nation that then impacts an entire world, including us today. And so I wanna talk to you and take you on this journey. You see, I selected Jochebed because she doesn't represent a mother who grew up in luxury, comfort, and ease. She represents a mom like many of you mothers here today that has grown up to raise her child in a, an environment of great adversity and conflict and struggle. 
And, and I don't have to be a rocket scientist to come up here to tell you today that raising children today is in an environment of adversity and wickedness and struggle and all that comes with that. But I wanna give you a few points about Jochebed that I hope will help you moms, and it really fits all of us today, but we're gonna identify it with mothers on some points in her life that highlight who she was. Number one was her identity, her personal identity, that, that she knew who she was in Christ. And, and listen, moms, that's where it starts, right there. That we can, how many knows we can never transfer to another person, especially our children, who we don't see we are first. And, and understanding who you are in Christ. Jochebed means Jehovah is her glory. And so here was this mother that God had already predestined to birth this son that was gonna be deliverer of a nation. And her name means Jehovah, her glory, her identity. She was an Israelite, one of God's chosen people. She was from the tribe of Levi, which came the priests and the, the ones who took care of the tabernacle and the duties of the tabernacle, which means that she was a regular tender in the house of God. She helped maintain God's house. She was a godly woman who stood steadfast in her faith. Her relationship with God was genuine and very real. Nothing will have more of a profound and lasting influence in the lives of our children than having a genuine and consistent godly example in their home. And, and let me just say, we love having your children here. We're a children church. I mean, we have young families here and, and we have a lot of activities going on back there for children. If you're a guest, you're welcome to have your children in here, so please don't misunderstand this comment. But if you would like for your children, maybe you're new and don't know about it, but we have a kid's zone back there where they're rocking in church. I mean, they're having church where your kids are gonna hear about Jesus and they're gonna go and tell other people about him. We've got kids zone back there. We've got toddler. We've got ministry for children with special needs. We've got nursery. And it's not babysitting, it's investing in your children. But let me just say this, no, no matter how much we do here as a church, and we try to do a lot for your children, we can't take your place in your home. Amen. That is what they see and hear and watch at home that's gonna mold them to be the child and the person that they're gonna be. What does a godly mother look like? Here's just a few things in your notes. Number one, a godly mother is one who prays for and with her children. My pastor, I grew up in church, but my pastor did not teach me how to pray. My mother and father did. And I learned how to pray by listening to them pray for me. Number two, a godly mother is one who studies God's word and teaches it to her children that she invests the word of God. Listen, if we're gonna highlight all their words at school and mathematics and science, we need to highlight and reward them and make a big deal over them knowing the word of God. Amen? Number three, a godly mother is one who sets the example by the life that they live. Just recently, I was in a meeting and I was sitting around a table with some people and, and, and these two women were there. One of them happened to be the mother of a 12-year-old boy that was sitting next to me and he was great, he was mannerly, he was very quiet. This mother used every curse word I've heard in like 20 years, you know, in like 10 minutes. I mean, it was just like, and I'm sitting there going in front, this is your son. I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm getting angry. I'm like, mm, you know, and, and then she thought he said a cuss word to me and she got irate and she said, sir, if my son ever uses a word like that in front of you again, you just slap him upside the head. And I thought, I've been wanting to slap you for 10 minutes. You know what I'm like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> you know, 
you don't talk like that in front of, you don't talk like that, no, but in front of your 12-year-old son. And then you're gonna correct him for doing what he's only watching you do. Number four, a godly mother is one who has a compassionate heart. Godly women are compassionate women. They deeply care. And so number five is a godly woman is a mother or person who stands firm in their faith. You can't move a godly woman. She'll fight hell all day long for her children. You can't move her. She may weigh 90 pounds, but she'll tear you apart. You mess with her little Johnny, man. She, she's there. And so I want us to look today because the first thing that God wants you to realize today, mom, because you see, I'm not, I've been pastoring for, for 37 years. I understand there's mothers that walked in here today. You've had an amazing weekend. You've been given flowers and candy and, and taken out to eat and cards. And, and this is a highlight of your year. But I also know there's some mothers that walked in here today that wish Mother's Day would go away because of hurt and pain and suffering. And it's not a good day. It's a bad day for you. But I pray today that God will let this be a great day for all moms and that whichever spectrum you may have walked in this building in before you leave here today, that you know you're special to God. You're special to the family around you today and that God's got great plans for your life and he wants to heal you from your hurts and he wants to continue to bring laughter and joy into your heart and into your spirit. And God has you when you don't know that you even have yourself. God's got great plans for you. You're special. I want you to grab that identity of who you are in God today. Number two is that she, she had a dilemma. She had personal identity, but she had a dilemma. And how, how many moms here today would go, there's some stuff going on in raising children today, even when they're grown and gone. It's like this stuff. And, and she had a dilemma. Jochebed was living and raising her child in a very hostile and evil environment. She's a slave the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. And, and here she is now. She's given birth to a son in the midst of slavery and oppression and hostility. And she had lived her entire life under this cruelty of slavery. In Exodus 1, it says, the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. The Egyptians hated the Israelites and made life miserable for them every way that was possible. And then Pharaoh, he gets scared because he sees the Israelites growing and multiplying at such a fast pace that he says, they're going to outnumber us and they're going to take over Egypt. So he makes a, a death decree for all the firstborn males of the Israelites, the Hebrew women. He says they're to be immediately thrown into the Nile River for the crocodiles to eat as a way of shutting down the multiplication of the Jewish people. And so here's Jochebed, a woman who has honor to God and she realizes who she is in him. She now gives birth to a son in the midst of great hostility and adversity. She's told by, told by the monarch, the Pharaoh, the king, the president, whatever position you wanna call him, the guy in charge that makes the laws of the land, you've now gotta take that son and go throw him in the Nile River. If you don't, you receive either a life sentence or death. That was her dilemma, but she didn't listen because she knew her identity. Her identity was not found in the laws of the land. Her identity was found in the creator of her body, her soul, her heart. And she knew what the law said, but she said, I can't go there. And listen to me, mama, you know what she did? She kept her son and she hid him for months. 
She didn't take him to the Nile. She had a dilemma. Do I listen to the, to the Pharaoh? Do I listen to the law of the land or do I obey the law of God and trust him? I'm in a dilemma. But she hid her son. She didn't listen to the law of the land. She hid her son for months. For months, she hid him until she had no control over the situation. And here's what I want you to get, mama. She did all she could do while she could. And when she had done all she could while she could, she then handed him over to God and said, now you take over from here. Mama, you can't be mama and God. He just wants you to be mama. And identify who you are in him and let him continue to be God. John 15 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Can I tell you, mama, you live in a society that now hates you more than ever before? You live in a society that hates everything you stand for as a Christian mother. Never in our history have we seen such hostility and hatred toward Christians and biblical Christianity, especially Christian women. All across the nation, all across the world, in the Middle East, if you look at it, and I'm a, a city director for Christians United for Israel, I know exactly what's going on across the ocean, not from the media, but from people in Israel, and we know what's going on, but when you see all the Christian hostility, if you look at it, there's one group of people in the midst of all of that conflict that's getting it the worst, and that's the Christian women. Destroy that woman, you destroy that family. And so we see that today, America as we know it, stands in opposition of everything you believe and everything that you rightly possess as a Christian mother. It declares a right to the life of your baby before it's ever born. Look at Common Core. If you don't know it, you need to look at it because it's far more than an educational system. The Common Core education declares that the Jewish Holocaust never existed it teaches our children about sexual gratification and abortion through explicit pornographic cartoons. It teaches to own and control the sexual behavior of your child. It declares that our children are like animals. They're going to fornicate and there's nothing we can do about it as parents. Students are tested on their understanding of sexual issues every year from kindergarten to the 12th grade. Sexual activities and content are mixed into every subject as a means of making it impossible for parents to opt out their child from class. That's called a dilemma that parents are in today trying to raise a child in a Christian environment and then you send them to a school system that says we're gonna do the opposite of what you're teaching them at home. And I wanna challenge you mothers in the midst of this dilemma is read the material, know what your children are being taught. If they're being taught things that goes against the principles of God's word, you bring that to the attention of the pastoral staff of this church. We will be at your child's school that week as a voice of standing up for your rights as a mother and a family as a Christian family. We are blessed in this county with a Christian superintendent, Malcolm Thomas. He will stand with us if it violates the word of God. We we will stand on your behalf. You don't have to be silent in the midst of the dilemma. You've got to come and be a jockabed and go, I know what the king said, but I know what the king of kings has said, and I'm going by his word, not yours. 
And that brought us to her courage. Her courage. She knew who she was. She was faced with a dilemma, but she operated in courage. Jochebed refused to go with the flow while others and other mothers obeyed the commands of Pharaoh and put their son or their daughter or their, their son into the Nile River and gave him up to the crocodiles. She hid her son. It says in Exodus 2, now a man in the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. She refused to consider her own life knowing she was facing a life sentence or even death. She refused to consider comfort, convenience. She refused to bow to commands that turn her or her children against the God that she served. And the key is this, the decree made by Pharaoh went against the humane and moral principles of her faith. To obey him was to defy her God and to watch her son put to death. To disobey him was to risk her own life but gave the opportunity for her son to live and fulfill his purpose and destiny in the God that she served. And so she had the courage to say, if I hand over my son, he dies. If I keep him, I might die, but he has the opportunity to live. That's a mother. That's a mother. You see, fearing God more than man, Jochebed made this decision Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than man. Mothers, I challenge you today to stand up for your Christian rights and the rights of your children. Isaac's birth took place in England on a cold Christmas day. He was born premature, very sick. Everyone around him thought he was going to die. His father had just died two months earlier. A war was raging around them, and many said it would have been easier if Isaac's mother, if she had just aborted him. She would not even consider it. Isaac grew up to be a scientific genius. Isaac was the one who discovered the law of gravitation. He revolutionized mathematics by developing calculus. He improved the telescope and became famous for his work in physics, mathematics, and astronomy. If Isaac's mother had not had courage in the midst of a dilemma and had aborted her child, the world would have never known the greatest scientist that ever lived, Sir Isaac Newton. His mother had him in a very volatile, crucial time in history. She was encouraged to take his life, but as a mother, she took the courage to stand against all opposition and allow God to fulfill his plan. There's a preacher out there called James Robinson. Anybody heard of James Robinson? A man who preaches a message of great grace and love and compassion and healing, and God's used him around the world to touch millions of people with the gospel. He was conceived when his mother was raped. His mother was raped, and rather than abort him, and in that day, to carry a child of someone from a rape was a stigma that you couldn't outlive. But she said, no, God gave me this baby, however it happened, because only God can create. And she birthed this little baby in the midst of all that adversity. She had the courage against all, all advice and she brought in one of the greatest preachers to ever preach in mine and your generation because she had courage. And mom, I wanna challenge you today to not let society dictate who you are. Don't let the dilemma dictate what you do and have courage to stand up and do what's right when what's right makes no sense to anybody around you. Come on, any amens in here? Her sacrifice, her sacrifice. Exodus 2 says, but when she could not hide him any longer, 
She got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. She was willing to risk her life as a means to save her son. And so Jochebed gave Moses everything she could for those first months. But then she said, I can't hide him any longer. He's got too large. They're coming by. They're going to find him. And so the best thing I can do now is trust the God who told me. And so she took Moses and she built this basket that he could float in. And she didn't throw him in the Nile. She put him in the Nile in a basket. What she was doing was saying, Father, I'm making the ultimate sacrifice today, trusting you now to take care of my son when I can't take care of him. Listen to me, I've heard preachers say she finally gave up and she, no, if she had gave up, she'd have threw him in the water. She put him in a basket to give God the opportunity to stand on his word. Come on, somebody. And I wanna challenge you today, mothers, that, that you make and you already do, so I just wanna talk to you about this sacrifice because you see, every time you watch your child walk out of your house and get on a school bus, every time you watch your child get out of that car and close that door and head into that school system, every time you watch that child of yours walk out of the house and get in a car and crank it and drive off, you're doing exactly what Jacobed did. You're saying, Father, I had them, I've held them, I've spoken the word over them. I've prayed over them. I've committed them back to you. I'm not throwing them in the river. I'm putting them in a basket and I'm trusting you to bring my child back home safe tonight. I'm believing you, God, you're going to watch over my children. You're going to cover them. You're going to protect them. I make this sacrifice. I give them back to you, God, because you're going to bring them home. You're going to keep them safe. You've got a plan and you're going to fulfill your promises over my children. See, keep your children in church, mamas. This isn't a popular message, and I may lose some people over this, but I've been pastoring for 37 years. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Don't let the world dictate what your children do on Sundays. It's, it's a settled plan. It's intentional of the enemy to have every ball game, every cheerleading event, every track meet, everything they can they want to do on Sundays. It's not just haphazard. It's intentional of the enemy to keep your children out of the house of God so that they will not have this respect for the house of God. And then when they graduate, they don't even want to go to church. They would rather be at a ball field or at the beach or on a boat somewhere. And then you're going to come in here 30 years from now and go, where did I miss it. And I'm going to pull out a CD and go, you didn't listen. Because I have to do that regularly now with parents because they didn't listen. Now they want me to be the savior of their children that they gave to the world. I didn't. Now I'm not against your kids playing ball on Sunday. There's times that that's okay, but they shouldn't be doing it every Sunday. They shouldn't be able to meet every Sunday. They need to be in the house of God. They need to be in worship. They need to be around their Christian family. They, they need to be where God told them to be. And I want to challenge you today. I'm not trying to be a dictator. I'm trying to be a pastor because if, if listen, train your children up in church and you won't have to bring them up in court. Now that's worth coming to church for. And we hadn't even took an offering up. You hear what I'm telling you? I'm just trying to help some of you today. Mamas, listen, where's the sacrifice in that? And pastors, you're gonna be the religious nut in front of the other parents going, church is first in my family. God is first in my family. 
We, we had a young lady in this church. She was a superstar softball player. She was a starting shortstop in one of our high schools here in town. And she took up the challenge and she went and told her, the, her coach, she said, I'm not missing church on Sundays for practice. I respect you. I will give 110% to this team. I will give you everything I've got, but I'm going to church on Sundays. None of her family was in church. She came here and got saved through our youth ministry. And she said, I've got to go to church. He got mad and kicked her off the team. And I had a powwow. And, and they kicked her off the team. And for three weeks, she was off the team. And he realized what he had done. Because, see, I got parents go, well, you know, I, I, I got to let them go because, you know, they got that scholarship that we're trying to get. So I got to do whatever the coach wants. I said, no, nah, if they're that good for a scholarship, that coach will do whatever he needs to do to keep them on the team. And when that coach kicked her off the team, they lost the next three weeks. And he realized, I just got rid of the best player on my team. See, I told him, I said, they can win without you. They can't win without her. If somebody's got to go, it ought to be you, not her. They put her right back on. She got a full scholarship to a college in Alabama. She got her, what am I saying? She sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things that we're so afraid they're gonna lose if we take them out. God said, you keep her where she belongs and I'll give her the desires of her heart. Keep God first. Make that sacrifice. It'll pay off for you in the long run. Next was her faith. Her faith. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edit. Jacobed simply said, God, I do not know why you are allowing this, what you have planned in this, but I trust you. Here's my son, I entrust him to you. She, she operated in faith by saying, you gave him to me, I'm giving him back to you. I put him in this basket. I did all I could do as long as he was under my arms, as long as I could keep him in my house. And, and let me throw another nugget out to you. Let me do a little parenting class here today. Parents, when my children live in my house, I'm their parent. When they move out, I become their coach. I don't parent my grown children, I coach them. When I'm their parent, I make their decisions for them. They don't have a say-so in my house. When they get adults and they move out, I can't make those decisions, so no longer am I responsible for them. Some of you parents need to get that right there. I coach them through the decisions they make now, good or bad ones. I help them through it, but I don't make it. And some of you are going crazy over what 35-year-olds are doing. You're not their parent today, though you are biologically, you're their coach now. They don't see you as a parent, they see you as a coach. They know more than you do, they think. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You will, I'm not saying I'm not my kid's parent, I'm saying I'm not looked at one, I'm their coach now. I have to let them grow up and make their decisions and then I'm gonna coach them out of bad ones and into better ones. And, and that's what Jacob had learned. She said, I hid him for as long as I could. I mothered him for as long as I could. So now God, by faith, I'm handing him to you. He's going to college, he's getting married, he's got a career, he's leaving town. I'm putting him in the basket and I'm trusting you in faith, God, that you're gonna watch over my son, my daughter, and their purpose and their opportunity in life and everything you created them for is about to take place, God. By faith, you gave them to me. By faith, I'm giving them back. And I'm gonna watch you do amazing things in their life. My mom did that with me and I've gotta close 
But when I was 15 years old, God called me into the ministry, called me to preach. I'm the only preacher in my family other than a cousin, so it was not a, a generational thing at all. I can take you to the altar in Auburndale, Florida on Wednesday night where God called me to preach. And, and, and that year, they found out that I had curvature of the spine, and my spine was severely crooked. My left leg was an inch and a quarter shorter than my right one because of it. They took me through all this medical stuff. I was going to have to learn how to walk. They was going to have to do surgery. I was going to have to learn how to walk again, how to feed myself again. That was pretty dramatic for a 15-year-old. And I'll never forget. They took all the x-rays, showed us everything. I'm sitting in there just, my world's gone. I was an athlete. My, everything was gone. I couldn't play ball anymore, they told me. Everything. My world just got shattered. And I'll never forget my mother, who's just a godly mother. She's sitting on my left. She put her right hand on my left knee, and she prayed the most simplest prayer. She prayed the Jochebed prayer, that you gave him to me, and I gave him back. Now, I'm trusting you to heal my son. The doctor came in. And I'll never forget my mom saying, I need some more x-rays. And he I was arguing with her. No, we've already got all we need. No, I need more x-rays. And I'll never forget, they took more x-rays and they put three of them in that machine, in that office, and my spine was straight. My legs were the same length. And I've never been to a doctor about it since. Now, I can't explain that, but I'm so glad she was there. Because she didn't give up. She was a woman of faith. This lady on the front row, I've watched her pray for our children. That mama, boy, she turns into a crocodile when, she, when it's about her children. She's Satan's worst nightmare. I'm telling you, when I want prayer, I don't call big name preachers. I go get her because she's Satan's worst nightmare, man. I'm just telling you, you don't know how blessed you are for that being your first lady because her and God, that's God's favorite daughter. I tell everybody, I'm sorry, lady, but that's God's favorite daughter. Her and God just got this thing going on. I'm like 10th in the place, you know? But I've watched her pray our children out of warfare. I've, I've woke up two, three in the morning. She's gone. I know the rapture hadn't come. I'm still here. So I'm hoping. It made me go wonder a few times. And I'd go find her, man. She's in the living room crying, calling out on God, calling our children's name out, calling them out. I watched her pray our children out of crucial situations. I've watched her pray wrong people and relationships out of our children's lives. That, that, that wasn't the right person for them. Every one of our children dated a person that it would have been a destructive marriage. She prayed the wrong person out of every one of our children's lives. And they're married to the right person today because of her. I've watched her pray over many of you for hours that you don't know about. Crying out to God, praying over you and your children. You gotta have some godly mamas around you that are people of faith that know how to pray and know how to get a hold of God. And last of all, it was her reward. Because when you operate as Jochebed did and you live that life that Jochebed did, she knew who she was. She was faced with a horrific dilemma. She was a person of sacrifice. She was a person of faith. But in that, God had a great reward for her because when she put that basket in the river, it began to float off. She went home. And you can imagine being that mother, knowing that you just left your child. I don't care how much you love God. That's a, that's a tough day right there. Knowing, man, you talk about ultimate faith. I just put him in your hands and I'm literally walking away. There's nothing else I can do. But Moses' sister didn't leave. She stayed. 
And Miriam, she watched that basket float down the river and she kept hiding behind the bushes and all of a sudden she heard some giggling and some noise and she looked and there were some women, some Egyptian women bathing and washing in the river and she hid and, and all of a sudden the basket come around and one of the women saw the basket and she brought it and, and here's an Egyptian woman and she happens to be the daughter of Pharaoh, the monarch who made the threat to put all firstborn males to death. His own daughter now is holding a firstborn male Hebrew boy and she didn't kill him. The Bible said she had compassion on him. She said, I can't kill him. She fell in love with him. And she said, but I can't nurse him. I'm not with child. I need to find a Hebrew woman that can nurse him for me. And Miriam jumps, Moses' sister jumps up behind the bush and goes, I know one, I can go get you one. I'll get you one. And she goes home and gets Jochebed, Moses' mother, and brings him to Pharaoh's daughter. Listen, and Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses' mother to nurse her own son for the next six years. Talk about God. But what if Jochebed hadn't done what she had done? Because here's what happened. Jochebed now takes Moses home. And in those days, a mother nursed her child for five to six years. I know that's horrific today, mom. Sorry, one. But, but that's how they did it then. That's horrific for even fathers to think that. You know what I'm saying? But for five to six years, here's what, here's what Pharaoh's daughter did. She handed Moses back to his mother for the most important years of his life because those were the years that mama took him home and taught him the word of God and invested in him God's plan for his life. God's got a plan for you, Moses. God's got destiny for you, Moses. You're not an accident. All the other sons died in that river, but God saved you, Moses. You're the one that God saved. There's a purpose over you, Moses. And, and at six years old, he's taken back into Egypt and put in Pharaoh's house. But in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that, that Moses became aware one day and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer the affliction with the people of God. And so God now brings him out of Egypt and puts him 40 years in a wilderness desert. And he speaks to him through a burning bush. And all of a sudden he tells him to go back to Egypt and let the people go free that he has set free. And the whole thing was a scheme that had been put in place by God to raise up a deliverer that would free three to six million Israelites from bondage. But it required a mother that was in tune to God's plan and God's purpose. Mama, you don't know who you're raising. You don't know who you're raising. You don't know that little Johnny, little Susie, the plan that God's got. You think they're just playing ball, that they're educated or they're smart or they can play an instrument. You don't know the world that they're gonna touch. You don't know the lives that they're gonna heal. Just know that you've been handpicked by God to form them into that vessel that God's gonna do something amazing and great with. In Jesus' name, will you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray right now over every mom, every mom, every mom, I pray right now. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you will speak to every mother in this room. God, you will bring healing for those that are hurting. You will bring hope to those that feel hopeless when they walked in here today. God, that you will embrace every mother in here today, God, that might be in a dilemma, in a time of conflict and struggle, Father, you'll embrace them today and let them know you're not alone. 
You're not alone. We've got this. We've got this. We've got this. I pray for every mother in here today, God, that has invested your word, invested God, the word of God, has prayed. God has put the gospel into their child. Father, I pray today that you let them have hope. God, let them begin to have expectation more than ever before, God, that you've got great things planned, great things in store. Father, for their children, I pray over these amazing mothers today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today and I don't, I don't know Jesus. I'm, I'm just lost. I'm, I'm just in a place that I'm spiritually lost and I just don't know him today. And today I realize that he loves me. He's got a plan for me. And I want him to be the Lord of my life today. We had about seven, eight, nine hands raised in our nine o'clock service. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, and you want to start over here on Mother's Day, what a great day to just start over. And say, I want a brand new beginning with Jesus. Pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand wherever you sit? And you can put it right back down. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray a prayer with you right now. Anyone, very quickly. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Ready for a brand new start. Ready for a brand new start, Pastor. Let's get it right this time. Let's do it right. Anyone else? Maybe on live stream. You want to pray that prayer today with us. If you raise your hand or you did not, you need Jesus today. Pray this prayer with us and we're going to pray it with you so you're not alone. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you celebrate with me and let's give God a hand clap.